Hebrews chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. I was looking through uh, some old sermons to get an illustration, and I came across this one, and I thought, wow, I haven't used this in an eon. Actually, I haven't used it since I was the assistant pastor on Cape Cod, and then, lo and behold, Sue Swanson is here, and so I hope she doesn't remember this, but it's a new sermon. It's just the old illustration. Question for you. How many of you, who knows who Lily Clements is? Anyone know? You know who Lily? What was her husband's name? Real name? Samuel. She married a, she married a guy named Samuel. Samuel Clements. Who knows who Samuel Clements is? Few people know he was Mark Twain. That was his pen name, Mark Twain. I've entitled this sermon, an American, The American Tragedy, An American Tragedy of Lily Clements. Samuel was smitten by Lily. She was a young girl when they met, younger than Samuel, which at that day didn't seem as different, as odd as it would be maybe today. But he was smitten by this young girl, but she was a Christian. She told Mr. Clements that she had made a commitment to the Lord that she was going to marry a believer and that she was going to raise her family with prayers and devotions, blessings at the meals and such. And eventually, Samuel, for a little while, he played the game. He pretended to be a Christian. Lily, although she suspected some things, married him anyway. As time went on, they did have their times of prayer and devotions, but Samuel began to be more and more distant from them. Especially as they began to have children, they ended up having five daughters. That's why Samuel Mark Twain is quoted as saying, how do you raise a daughter? Well, when she turns 12, you put her in a barrel with a hole in it for air and food. And when she turns 16, you plug the hole. That's why he said that. He's had five daughters. He began to draw more and more distance. He said, Lily, you can go on with these yourself, but leave me out. I don't believe in your God. And you're only making me a hypocrite. Samuel would go on to pen a number of books that you would be familiar with. Mark Twain would write The Adventures of Huck Finn, the uh, Connecticut Yankee in uh, uh, the King's Court, and on and on he would go. He would become friends with all sorts of uh, influential people from presidents, uh, president, he and, he and Grant got along very, very well, and numbers of different other people. Fame came, money came, influence came, traveling came. They went to Europe, and at that time, Samuel, they were riding high on his glory. This is when he was traveling. They traveled the world, and, and uh, she got to see all sorts of places. This is when uh, uh, they, he went to Australia, and a report surfaced in the United States that he had died. 
And that's when he was quoted as saying, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. And on and on it goes. But through that time, Lily's faith began to fail. This was seen after they hit some hard times. They had made some investments. Uh, Mark Twain had uh, failed in some investments after the Civil War and some uh, companies went broke and such. And because at that time it was actually ironic, it was cheaper to live in London than it was in the United States, which is not true today. But they moved to London because of uh, the expenses and such. And during that time, their oldest daughter, Susan, who had been attending college in the States, had gotten spinal meningitis. So because there weren't airplanes, you know, my wife and I will be in Holland, I think, today at uh, 2.30 tomorrow morning at your time, this time. Right? They didn't have planes then. She made arrangements to get back three days before they arrived, Susan died. Lily would never enter their old house again. They had kept their house in Connecticut. They were, she would never enter it again. Samuel said to her at this point, he was quoted as saying, in their time of great need, Samuel said to Lily, if you're, Lily, if your Christian faith can help you now, turn to it. And really up replied, I can't, Sam. It was destroyed a long time ago. I want to talk to you about the tragedy of bad decisions and losing your faith. Or in a nutshell... The reality of backsliding. Mark chapter 8, Jesus makes this statement, verse 36, What would it profit a man or woman if he gained the whole world and lost his own soul? Hebrews chapter 12, it says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet, and those who are weak and lame will not fail but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see God. Look after each one so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poison root of bitterness grows up and troubles you, corrupting many. Make sure that no immoral, uh, there is, uh, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his, the birthright as the firstborn for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected, and it was too late for repentance. Uh, for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. The hinge mark of this is failing to receive the grace of God. It is possible to fail to receive it. Every backslider 
will tell you that they, if they're honest, when they get saved, that they really turned away from God. They made a decision in their hearts, in their minds. They wanted something else. They wanted to be popular. They wanted pleasure. They wanted this. They wanted to try that. They wanted to do this. They wanted something. One commentator said of this particular verse of Scripture, he says, the terms of this journey, the terms of this is like a journey of of a band of travelers who now and again have to check up. Has anyone fallen out? Has anyone been left behind while others pressed on? The picture there is as they're going, that some would fall back. And that it's a check moment. Like, okay, are we all still here? What's going on? So let's talk firstly at how does one lose their way. The term here that is used is a root of bitterness or a root bearing bitter fruit is other translations. The picture there comes from Deuteronomy 29 where it says, I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe will turn away from the Lord God and worship these gods of other nations and so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. A root of bitterness will ruin your life. Now, he links this to sin. He links this to turning away from God, to actually be facing God at one point and to make a willful decision to turn away. The picture there would be of someone leaving their lover, that they're making a decision to leave, to walk away from a relationship and that it would become bitter, that it would become something that would have a, a nasty taste in your mouth. Uh, in my yard is a, uh, is a, literally they call it a bitter cherry tree. It's, it's cherries of some nature, but you can't eat them. They're horrible. I haven't tried them. I just know that, you know what, I don't want to try them. I know what they'll taste like, and it will be gross. Roots, weeds... Bitter. A couple of things will always bring this. One without fail is sin. Sin will always bring a bitterness of soul. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 18. Your own actions have brought this upon you. The punishment is bitter, piercing you to the heart. Simeon in Acts chapter 8. Peter has to deal with him and he says that I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. Sin will leave you bitter. Sin promises and never delivers. And the harder you try to get that deliverance from sin, that the payoff, the more it costs you, the more it leaves you empty, broken, and destroyed. And therefore, people get bitter. Sin promises satisfaction, never brings it. Sin promises all sorts of things and never brings it. Lily knew probably a lot of Christian men. She was, of all accounts, I, of course, never have seen her. There are photographs of her, but I've never 
Actually, I think I years ago I looked him up, but uh, she was a beautiful woman with no doubt with many suitors. But she might have looked at the Christian man and thought, I don't want that. I want what he has. I want that which maybe I'm not supposed to have. Lily knew that she was making a decision to not marry a believer. If you think you can marry, two mistakes Lily made here. One is, and this is more common among women than men, although men can fall into this trap, but it is more common among women, is I'll change him. If I get him or her, I'll change, I'll convert them. The problem is, in you is a sinful nature. In them is not a divine nature. They're not born again. So more likely you're going to connect for every one missionary dating scenario that I had known that worked out, I know of 99 tragedies. And of course, people will always point when they want to justify to the outlying experience rather than the reality of how many times it failed. Sin will always leave you broken. There's also disappointment. Some people are just disappointed in life. They either expected something to happen that didn't, something happened that they weren't expecting that did happen, Or they feel that someone else got a better deal than they did, and so now they're disappointed. It's not necessarily that they got a bad deal. It's that somebody else got, at least in their eyes, a better deal. And so when things don't happen that we expect, we expect, uh, uh, you know, uh, a raise, we expect a better job, we expect uh, things are going to happen in a certain time frame, and when they don't, we get disappointed, we get frustrated. When things that we expected, that we didn't expect happen, we get sick, we have a setback, we have a financial problem, we lose a job, there's all sorts of things that happen that can disappoint, make us disappointed. The nail in Lily's spiritual coffin, if you will, was the death of her daughter. Back in that time, the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. This was actually in the late 1800s when she died. I think Samuel, Mark Twain died after Lily, and I think he died in 1915, 16, something like that. When her daughter died, she finally admitted that her Christian faith was dead. She expected life to work out in a certain way. She was going to disobey God, marry. She had money, travel, time, fun, this, that, five daughters, big house, fame, presidents, all the things that the world would value. And now she's, now something happens. 
My Christian faith is dead. In our text, it's about Esau. Esau disappointed one day when he went hunting and he didn't catch anything. Comes home and he's willing to trade his birthright for a bowl of beans. It's very interesting. People who are disappointed will try to blame someone else. My problem is Biden's fault, Trump's fault. My problem is my parents, that guy, what she did, what he said, how that was. That's why I'm always amazed. As a pastor, people will blame me for all sorts of things. My finances are a mess because of you. I'm sorry, did I ever have a signing right on your checking account? Did I get a credit card in your name and charge it up? Was that me? Right? But, the, but people get, they have to blame someone else. The second thing we see is wrong appetites. Lily had different appetites. She wanted to play the Christian game, but she wanted all that the world had to offer. Esau, what good is my birthright? If I'm dying of hunger, he's missing a single meal. A single meal, maybe a day's worth of meal. How many of you have ever fasted for more than one day? Did you die? Did you feel like you were going to die? (laughs) Sometimes, right? So I get the feeling, but you did. That's not the way it works. Right? And so... He has this feeling. It says in verse 16 that make sure no one is immoral or godless. The word profane is in the the New King James. Like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn for a single meal. It literally means to be thrown under feet. It's, It's the thought to be cast or walked upon. It's the thought of to have no value. And what he does with the promises of God is he throws them on the ground and they have no value to him. They are godless. This word is used a couple of other times. And I won't read them all, but I'll read one of them. 1 Timothy 1.9 For the law was not intended for people who do what's right. It was intended for the lawless and the rebellion who are ungodly. And sinful, and consider nothing sacred, and defile that which is holy, who kill their mother or their father or commit other murders. Esau had no value in life. He married a couple of Canaanite daughters. The first one's name was was Ada, which simply means beautiful. And I'm, she probably was. I, I Again, there, there weren't any, you know, <laughs> there's no Facebook account for Esau, so we can't go back and see, okay? No Instagram accounts there. So we don't know. But just the thought there that he would, didn't matter if this was right or wrong, was what he wanted. 
when he found out the Canaanite girls didn't please his parents, let's move on and I'm going to marry some Ishmaelite girls. It was all about politics. It was all about looking good. It was all about playing the part. There was no value in what God wanted. Lily didn't think about what God wanted either. When you lose the value on who God is and what's valuable to Him, you now gain the danger of looking and having wrong appetites. What's my birthright if I'm starving? What's my future if I'm going to die now? 1 John 2, 15 through 17, Do not love the world or the thing, uh, uh, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers you today cravings for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride of our achievements and positions. These are not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is fading away, and everything that people crave. But anyone who does what God pleases will live forever. Lily would go on, she'd love the money. She would love the affluence of meeting with all of these people, the movers and the shakers of the day. She loved the popularity. She never pushed for church or prayer or Bible reading or even an accountability of her husband. She didn't mind doing all of that because it was all about what she could gain. Our text here is contrasting peace and bitterness Holiness and godlessness. That's what's happening in this text. He's contrasting peace over bitterness. We just did a whole Sunday school on peace, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just to say that we establish that peace is when you do what God wants you to do. It is not the absence of conflict, although it does say in our text, as much as it is Upon you, live peacefully among men. Don't just go out and offend everybody. I know people who, it's like, they have the ability to offend people. I was talking to one pastor about a guy who I knew in his church, and he said, oh, yeah, my dear friend there. I've never met anyone who has the ability to walk into a room and within 10 minutes offend all 15 people in the room like this man. He just had that gift. I mean, it was a gift, too. Because I, I don't, you know, I have, I've met some people, they can offend people, but, you know, that, we had a man in one of my churches, you could guarantee if he witnessed to somebody, they would never come to church. He would offend them. I got a call one time, I just took over the church, I'm not even there six months, I get a call. Does this guy go to your church? I'm like, yeah. He just told me my grandmother's burning in hell because she prayed the rosary. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm going to hell because I don't pay my tithe. I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. 
I mean, those two statements may be factually true, but they're not exactly what you should use on a witness. We got Chick Tracks again, and, and one of the reasons I got is I ordered their, their packet. He, Jack Trick, when he was alive, he started every track. You know, you'd be reading, Jesus loves you, and the Pope is the Antichrist. And it's like, don't give that to anyone. Like, that's not going to win a Catholic. Two tracks were translated into Lithuanian. One was, this is your life, which is an excellent track. And the other one was, why is Mary crying? And it's like, (laughs) and the church loved, why is Mary crying? It's like, this is a Catholic nation, folks. 96% of people in Lithuania identify as Catholic. Don't give that out, please. But peace is not the absence of problems, it's the presence of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, may, uh, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to the Lord. Jesus comes again. So, first you have to be at peace with God. You're going to have peace. You've got to be with peace with God. Bitterness is just an agitation. Bitter people are mad at everybody. I have relatives, because I come from a Catholic family, who are very bitter. And you talk to them, and it's like, it's just, you know. And it's like everything I can say. I don't say a lot when I talk to one of them. Uh, because everything you say is can and will be held against you. It's like I should get Miranda rights when I call this person. Holiness. The word literally means to be pure and to be set apart. To be different. The tragic reality of Lily Clements was that she never wanted to be different. She wanted what the world had. You cannot have all that the world wants and has for you that promises you and the holiness of God at the same time. You can't have them both. It's not going to happen. We, I could read a list of singers and actors, but especially singers, that started in church. Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, on and on and on it would go. They started in churches. Whitney Houston, and on and on, depending on whatever generation you come, there's a million of them. They started in church. They got blinded by the glare of all the promises of the world. And they got ruined. Absolutely shipwrecked for their faith. It's not new. This is what Lily did. I'm sorry, not Lily. Livy did. She was Lily Clement, but they called her Livy. 
She never wanted and committed to a deep relationship with God. She never saw holiness as important. Holiness will have to do with what you say, what you watch, what you read, what you listen to, where you go, who you're with, how you spend your time, how you spend your money. It's going to invade all of those areas of life. Holiness is going to involve being set apart. She would have known the scripture, do not be unequally yoked. But it wouldn't have mattered to her. The loss is you lose God. One lie of sin is that if I sin, I just am less effective as a Christian. Or if I'll just be less spiritual. No, you lose God. Sin is an offense to God. And finally, Samuel woke up, Samson woke up one day, and he didn't realize God was gone. Saul was tormented. King Saul was tormented because God was no longer speaking to him. So he ends up going to a witch to get a spiritual answer. You don't just become less spiritual. You lose God. Our text says that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit his father's blessing, he was rejected. And it was too late for repentance, even though he begged with it. Begged with bitter tears. He didn't just lose a blessing. He lost God. You can backslide. But the cost is very high. And when you do backslide, you do lose things. Backsliders come back with memories. Now, God can heal you. God loves the backslider. God wants to help the backslider. But they come back with memories. With regrets. God can heal that and help you, absolutely. But you can lose out by making bad decisions. Romans 9.13, in the words of the scripture... I have I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. Didn't just lose a bit of influence or Christian standing, he was rejected. Now again, God's redeeming glory is to bring back the backslider. God wants to touch. But you can lose and you can, you can miss out. Our text starts with get a grip. It says, so take a new grip on your tired hands and strengthen your weakened knees. Mark out your straight paths of your feet. So those that are weak and lame will become strong. Livy Clements on her deathbed. She's sick. She's dying. 
Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, grabs a Bible and he throws it on Lily's bed. Says, Livy, let me read the quote. Says, You need to find comfort and salvation that you once had in this book. And her response was, Samuel Clements, I don't want to be in heaven if you're not going to be there. And my faith died long ago. After that, two days later, she lapsed into a coma and never recovered. I don't want to be in heaven one of her last recorded words. Get a grip, man. You have to get a grip. Our text is written to believers, obviously, not to the backslider. One is to get a grip on who we serve. I think it was Chuck Colson who wrote the book, Get a Grip, or... Strengthen your grip. And he had on the front a tennis racket. And you read through it and it strengthened your, you know, grip on prayer, on love, of service, of this, of that, of giving, or whatever. It's a good book. Old book, but good book. Esau and Livy both lost perspective of who they served. Who are you serving? Are you serving the Lord God of the universe? Our text tells us that this was actually after a time of God's discipline. God had disciplined, spanked some people. Said, strengthen, you know, come on. Strengthen. Get a grip. Isaiah 53 verse, I'm sorry, Isaiah 35 verse 3 says, with the news, strengthen those who have tired hands. Encourage those who have weak knees. I remember the feeling as a child, and I remember the first time I saw it in one of my children where, I think it was my son, and in fact, I remember where it was. It was my son. He had done something. And I'm like, Brian! And his, he, you physically saw him go, oh. Like, his energy and strength just left him like that. He knew he was busted for whatever he had done. I didn't, yeah, that's all I said, Brian! Oh. Remember that feeling when your parents would be mad at you and you'd just feel that way, or a teacher, or maybe when you're being arrested, or whatever? Oh, man. That's the picture. You know, don't serve God like, oh, it's so hard. I get lose so much. Strengthen, get a grip, man. Grip tighter. Sometimes that's just revisiting whom you serve. Sometimes that's spending some time in prayer. Making a commitment to, to actually pray. Not just, oh God, bless this food and help all the missionaries, Amen. But taking some time with God and say, God, I need your help. Sometimes it's reading the Bible. Just giving yourself over and reading. 
more than just a chapter or two or three or four a day that you do. Just spend some time in the Word of God. Our text, our chapter 12 actually, and where Paul has been going with this and where he continues to go, and if you read it in context, he's reminding the believers, the the Hebrew believers, where they're going. The thought here is heaven. It begins with, in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life and faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that does so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We will be doing this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who imitates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy that was awaiting him, he endured the cross, despised its shame, and he is now seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We're going to heaven. How many want to go to heaven? Right? Then live that way. That's what he's saying. Be excited. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven, man. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. like, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Some people treat it like it's the dentist's office. <laughs> going, I got a dentist appointment. I can't believe it. I get into it. Right? We're not really into that, but you know, it's a necessity, like, yeah, beats the alternative. My tooth will rot out, fall out of my mouth. I'll be in pain all the time, so I got to do it. Right? Well, I just don't want to go to hell. That's not going to be enough to get you into heaven. Just not wanting to go to hell is not going to be enough to get you into heaven. It's just not going to be enough. He minds in here that, you know what? Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. Do you want to see Jesus? I mean, I'm not talking about rushing the process. I'm just talking about... (laughs) I've heard some parents say that you're going to see Jesus. You keep that up. You're going to see Jesus. (laughs) Our Savior, He forgave you. All the stupid, selfish things you did. Never mind the accidental, just the deliberate things you did that you knew were wrong. That's enough. And that His strength will bring us through. I know you've got problems, woes, but you know what? It doesn't compare to the cross. Really doesn't. And remember, God's going to help us. The sad thing about Livy, the sad thing about Esau, is they sold out cheap. As I asked in the beginning of the service, no one raised your hand when I said, who was Livy Clements? In her day... She might have graced the covers of People magazine or the equivalent thereof. 
She might have had the most followers on Instagram at the time if they had had Instagram. But today, who? Livy, who? Oh, yeah, she was married to a famous writer of some books we had to read in high school. Don't you want God's help? Even if you mess up, God's willing to help you. That's amazing to me. Galatians 6, 9, So let us not be tired of doing what is good, for in the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I think Livy forgot what she could lose. And that's why she's an American tragedy. She was a Christian girl who had destiny, who had blessing, who had favor, but traded it, traded it for passing pleasures of the moment. And now she's forgotten. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't think she made heaven. With that final reaction, the fact she slipped into a coma just a few days later, Maybe she did. Maybe she prayed. Maybe in a tearful night, that night, she got her heart right with God. I don't know. But I know based on the last recording, Samuel, I don't want to be in heaven. My faith died a long time ago, and if you're not going to be there, I don't want to be there. Tragic. Sold out cheap. What does God have for you? Yes, you can have the American dream, and lose your soul. Or you can have what God has for you and gain so much more. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I just want to just preface this by saying God's not against blessing you. God's not even against making you rich. He's just against you selling out his will for those things. Poverty does not make you spiritual. But the reality is, you can miss heaven. Not everybody goes to heaven. You have to make a decision to serve God. And maybe you're here and you've never made that decision. You want to this morning know the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. You'd slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. Not right with God. I'm not saved, I'm not a Christian, but I want to know Jesus. Anyone at all. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you did sell out like Livy. Maybe you did sell out like Esau, but the great news is Jesus will take you back. I know lots of backsliders that came back. I know lots of people who have made bad decisions and realized that they were selling out. They were making mistakes. They needed to get their heart right. They did get their heart right. God helped them. They went on to serve God and to be fruitful. And no one in the Bible, except for Jesus, didn't make mistakes, didn't have crises of faith, didn't sin. David, the man after God's own heart, of course he did, but he was willing to get his heart right That's the critical moment. Are you willing to get your heart 
right. If that's you, you're backslidden. You need to come back to Jesus. Slip up your hand. Say, you know what? I need to get my heart right with God. I need to make sure I'm right with God. Very quickly. Anyone at all. Changing the call into Christians. It's a self-explanatory thing. We need to do what is right. Not be blinded by our own will but to do that which is right. Let's all stand. We're going to sing out a song. My Redeemer lives. Worship God and give Him praise this morning. Thank God, thank God.